Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Everybody's feeling okay. Talk to Doc Brown. Even one of our docs had the flu last week. So, uh, but he's well today. Just don't let him sneeze on you. Hold your Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. And I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. I was, uh, I listened to, to uh, Joel quite a bit. He's, uh, his daddy was a big influence in my life, and he has carried on that on. And, uh, you know, every time I hear them do the confession, I think of Brother Osteen and the power of those words that you are who God says you are, not who everybody else might say you are, who you think you might have been, but you are who God says you are. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. Uh, you're created in his image and his likeness. There are several things. I get up on Sundays, and I always, my message has been done for a while, but I always try to ask the Lord, is there anything else you want to add to this, kind of like some whipped cream cherry on top? And as I was researching some things this morning, there are just several things. As we talk about uh, this month, about just moving from a row to a circle, from watching to doing, uh, something happens when you're looking at someone that doesn't happen when you're sitting beside someone. I always find it funny when you go to a restaurant and you see couples sitting side by side, and I'm thinking, they're both going to have a crick in their neck. Because, you know, you're having to look this way to have a conversation instead of looking across. In a circle, you can't identify the leader. In a conference room, you can. They're at the head of the table. But when you're in a circle... The, the look or the perception is that we're all the same. And I believe in the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, we're all the same. Yeah. We're all a work in progress. Certainly there are positions and titles and responsibilities. But in the kingdom of God, we all have the same responsibility, which is to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. Uh, to be kind to all people and to live an obedient life. It, it, nobody can escape those same mandates from the Bible. And, and so whenever we create circles inside this church and uh, where, where people have an opportunity to spend time together, the 50-plus fellowship is one of the things that we're, we're working on. We're working on several other small groups that have come forward. And, and the goal is, is to get people engaged in uh, living life and doing life. Um, Billy Graham's grandson, uh, several years ago when... when uh, Reverend Graham went to be with the Lord. He contacted me. The, his grandson did. It was the first time I ever had contact with him and uh, everything he had gone through. And he, he's really, uh, you can tell that he's uh, a Graham. <laughs> his depth of thinking and writing is, is amazing. And Tulian is his name. And he wrote this. He said, my friend, Gene uh, LaRoe, once said, if you're not the worst sinner you know, you don't know yourself very well. The truth is, we tend to be very good lawyers when it comes to our own mistakes, but very good judges when it, becomes, 
overcomes the mistakes of others. Uh, you know, lawyers are, they'll def, you know, really, the, their, their goal is to create a defense, but the judge has to determine. So, um, you know, uh, we, we try to represent ourselves in, in the, the court of the kingdom, and uh, it doesn't work very well. Uh, another person writes, the enemy wants us to think we can fall from grace, but how can we fall from a work that Christ did? <laughs> to imply that we could fall from grace would suggest that we did something in order to stand in it. We have to go back to understanding that grace was something Christ did. Nothing we have done or can do, nothing we have done or can do alters what was done for us. Our performance doesn't qualify us or disqualify us. It doesn't move us closer or further away. Our choice to receive his grace determines our position. Our choice. Now the reason I'm sharing this as we talk about moving from just being spectators, or as Pastor Jesse puts it, an audience, we have to become an army. We're together than we are apart. Uh, we're in us that, you know, changes our lives. Now, the reason I like to share this is because I told you last week, my father uh, did not really know Jesus until I was about 13 or 14. By that time, I'd already made a decision that God and I probably weren't going to work out. Because I had seen that uh, in my particular denomination that, uh, and again, I respectfully say this, I was taught that it was what I did or didn't do that made me a candidate for heaven. It wasn't what God did through Christ and my acceptance of that, but it was what I did. And, And I knew that I was never good enough and that I would never be good enough according to what I understood about the Bible, to ever make it to heaven. And uh, when my father finally got saved, uh, I can remember the conflict because my dad was a good man, but uh, he had a lot of uh, habits. Uh, He he really had a relationship with tobacco. And (laughs) any kind of tobacco, (laughs) whether it was chewing or cigars or cigarettes, whatever it was, he had that. and, And, you know, he had had that most of his life. And, and then he got born again. He really was trying to do things right. And the church wouldn't allow him to serve, uh, it, you know, because, because of those ha- habits. <clears throat> and so he, it disqualified him. And uh, I'll never forget it. it. It was more troubling to me as a teenager when I was trying to come to know the Lord <clears throat> because I didn't understand because I knew my dad was a good man. He had habits. And, you know, like we all do, we have issues. And uh, they disqualified him. Now, he, it didn't make him bitter. As a matter of fact, he felt that he couldn't serve either because of those things. He was convinced they were right. But I want to tell you something. We don't get to serve because we're good. We don't get to serve because we're all of that. We get to serve because uh, of what Christ has done for us, in us, and through us. But, you know, I, I really, this, this message is very dear to me today because of this. And then... I went on, these, all three of these things popped up as I'm doing research from notes from the past. And, uh, you know, there, there may be those of you watching online or even those of you in here that feel disqualified that maybe you have an addiction, maybe you have something going on in your life and, and that what you have going on doesn't endanger someone else. I understand there are things that endanger others and that we have to be very aware of those things. But 
let's just say today that it's, it's because of a, an addiction or something. Maybe you have a little bit of a temper or maybe something is going on in your life and uh, that you have automatically disqualified yourself. Um, that's who this message is for. And, and, and when we start moving from rows to circles and we start looking into the eyes of other people, uh, it, it, it has a tendency to intimidate us. I, I remember when I, uh, uh, I had been saved probably about seven years and a very renowned minister, uh, I attended his church and, uh, and, and then I volunteered and I served and did those things. And I, I had the hardest time uh, connecting with him because uh, I felt like he was far superior to me, and he was far more mature than me in Christ, but I felt he was superior, and I couldn't look him in the eyes, but about a year, I left that church to go serve at another church uh, in Texas, and uh, about a year after that, I was called back by that same church, and uh, he and I sat down, and it, God had done something in my life. As I said, I could look him in the eyes, and I actually told him this. I said, I can now look at you in the eyes and have a conversation. Because God had done a work in my life. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. I saw myself as less than and not worthy. And, and that's typically what keeps people out of uh, being in a circle or being in a small group or serving. Is the feeling of inadequacy. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I've done too much. And, and, and as a result of that, it doesn't mean we don't get to go to heaven. It just means that we experience less of heaven on earth. And the whole idea to me of being a Christian is less about where I'm going to spend eternity and more about eternity invading my life numerous times. Now, uh, going to heaven, as I've said numerous times, which will be met with serious resistance from religious people, going to heaven is really not difficult. Jesus paid for your ticket. Your acceptance of his work and our acceptance of what he did on the cross and, and what he's doing now is how I get to heaven. There's no other way. But getting heaven here is a whole different story. I have to open myself every day to allowing heaven to invade my life and to influence my life and my every thought. And that's a challenge, to be honest with you. Because I have thoughts, you have thoughts, and we have our own way of doing things. And, you know, I, I can't live life without the Holy Spirit. I, 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 maybe some of y'all are smart enough. I'm just not. If I don't have the Holy Spirit leading, comforting, and guiding me, I'm done. And, and I realized that early on in my Christianity that he is my source of wisdom, my source of strength, my source of confidence. And that I don't stand up here today because I'm good. I don't stand up here today because I'm qualified except through him. And this, this is just a little saying that makes you think. Because in the church world today, and I don't mean to be in any way judgmental or critical of anyone. But having gone through everything I've gone through, what I've realized is there are a lot greater sermons than there are people living them. And... Uh, you know, and, and I know that could sound a little tacky. If, if David were alive today, he could preach in any. 
but, but he'd be welcome. He'd be invited. As a matter of fact, he would get big honorariums uh, because everybody would want him. <laughs> uh, you know, I can go down the list. And, 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 you know, if Noah were here today, uh, everybody would love to have Noah stand up and give testimony how he built the ark. Wouldn't that be awesome? And, and how he commanded all the, the species to come and get on the ark without doing anything. I mean, Noah was a stud. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, I mean, I, I, if Noah was alive today, I, I, I'd, I'd call him and ask him to come and talk to you and, and give his story. And, and that may not make sense to you, but Noah was a drunk. Uh, you know, so I know that Noah, you know, we talk about him, but we, 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 we couldn't have him today because, you know, he's a drunk. And we couldn't have David today because, after all, David made a couple of really big boo-boos that, that labeled him for life. And, you know, people might say something to us instead of thinking what happened as a result of what he did and how he responded. Life is 90% uh, how you respond, 10% of what happens to you. Let's not forget that. But we forget that and we become judgmental and we become mean. And, and, you know, I ain't mad at nobody, but there's some people really mad at me. And so, uh, you know, so, you know, all I'm saying is I'd like for the church to get really real. And, and I, I don't think we have, and I, I feel a sense of responsibility to try to keep it real. And it's scary because when, when you keep it real, then we have to deal with real. And, and, and most uh, people don't deal with real really well <laughs> Be, because... The reality is that, that we, we're all facing stuff we don't want to face. We're all in, encountered things we wish we hadn't encountered. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done. But, but d- d- please don't preach on the woman caught in the act of adultery. P- please don't preach on David. P- please don't preach on Noah. P- please don't preach on those people unless you intend to live that today. Oh, I wish I was in a black church today. There'd be hankies flying all over the place. White people just, mm hmm. Jesse, you get to fix this sometime soon. Matter of fact, I think we're going to have a hanky Sunday someday. I'm just going to break all your religious traditions. We're just going to pass hankies out at the door, and I expect you to use them. And it's not the Sunday you get to preach. So you don't think you're qualified? Noah was a drunk. Jacob was a liar. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and was a murderer. God still used them. He can still use you too. Now, all of you who will be watching this tomorrow just to see what Mark Crow said, I hope you got something out of the introduction. Here's the deal. I'm not fighting for me anymore. I'm perfectly happy. But I'm fighting for all the people who will follow the trail that I, I paved. And it ain't pretty. But I'm going to tell you something. We're going to clean it up and we're going to make a sidewalk out of it. Because the future of the church is going to be based on our response to hurting people and broken people, not our response to perfect people. And, and so when I talk to us about involvement, engagement, circles, and when I talk to us about volunteerism and servant leadership, when I talk to us about those things, the first thing that comes to all of our minds is the reason we can't do what God's asked us to do, not what Mark's asked us to do, but what God's asked us to do. Now, turn your Bibles 
Might as well get biblical on you today. Turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 20. <coughs> Matthew 20. And let's start... Um, With verse 20, 2020 in 2020. Then the mother, <coughs> thou the Amplified by worshipped him and asked a favor of him. And he asked her, what do you wish? She answered him, give orders that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right, right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Now, this woman was some kind of woman. She's approaching Jesus with a confidence and a boldness that very few would approach him with. Now, these guys were far from perfect. They were the kind that wanted to kill people. Her sons were sons of thunder. They said, Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven. They didn't say, let's help these people. They said, let's smoke them. Jesus replied, do you not realize what you're asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? They answered, we are able. Now, think just for a moment about who these guys were. We are able. Based on what? <laughs> They've been good. They grew up in a private school. They went to boarding school. They had theology degrees. They had never made a mistake. They were perfect sons. No, these were boys that were causing Jesus drama. Let's just call down some fire right now. Jesus, get this over with. We don't have time for them. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but seats at my right hand and my left are not mine to give, but they are for those who, for whom they have been ordained and prepared by my Father. But when the ten other disciples heard this, they were indignant at the two brothers. Isn't it cool that the, the twelve had issues? You know, you think Bible characters, they were all just floating around with wings and halos, but the brothers were angry. The ten were like, what are you guys up to? You trying to move to the front of the line? Like somebody cutting in front of you at Target. I don't know about y'all, but when somebody just walks up and jumps in front of me, my flesh just wants to be flesh. Somebody tried to pull that. I actually did pull that yesterday, and I went, Okay. Because I, I have a bracelet that says both, and I'm confused half the time. What would Mark Crow do? He'd tell you to get your booty at the back of the line. But Jesus said it's okay. So Jesus is giving a lesson here. Can you imagine Jesus going, boys, boys, I don't have time. Y'all are worried about who's going to sit next to daddy. I'm getting ready to die up in here. And you're talking about a banquet. I'm talking about crucifixion. I would have fired all 12 of them and started over. <laughs> Get her a microphone. <laughs> Would have still had the same problem with the new 12. You're right. Matter of fact, it might have been split six and six and really had trouble. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. <laughs> and Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their, and their great men hold them in subjection, tyrannizing over them. This is amplified. Not so shall it be among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever desires to be first among you must be your slave. You know, the crucifixion was 
very real physically for Jesus. But for us, the crucifixion is, is not physical. It's spiritual, emotional, mental that we have to crucify the flesh. And the flesh is response to how we think, how we feel, and, and, and how we live. And so Paul said, I die every day. And so we have to die daily. And so I, I don't know, you guys know that I can't preach the same sermon twice. It wouldn't even be close. So I don't remember which one. I, last Sunday I talked about this to with you all. I don't know if it was you or Levin. When people are serving, life is no longer meaningless. A lot of meaning, meaningless living is not the result of, it's, not, it's nothing more or less than us not stepping in to our place every day that God has for us. And the difficulty of this is that we see things too long term. Uh, we had a couple that, that wants to do a small group, and they recently joined the church a couple months ago, and very sweet couple. And they had had a small group in their previous church, and uh, they had done it for a couple of years. And uh, they actually would have people in their home. Now, you'll want to go to this small group when it starts, trust me. They actually had served dinner at their small group. They cooked it, served it, and, and they did it a couple times a month. And they, they loved it, but then they got tired. And so uh, they asked me about it. And I said, well, here's how we do it here. If we do small group, we'll do 90 days. And then you take a break and you determine if you want to do another 90. You would have thought I'd given them a Bentley. Maserati, Lamborghini, Porsche. I'm having a car moment. <laughs> but, but in other words, what I'm saying is it, it should be the kind of thing where we, we, we find joy in serving and, and that we find ways to find joy. Uh, maybe your experience in the past was that you did everything at the church. Jesse and I share the load up here is you get burned out. If I did not take time off, I would not be happy and you would not be happy. And so Jesse has, is, I mean, he cannot die. You cannot get ready to go see Jeanette. You cannot die. Because if you do, I'd be right behind you. And, and so we found a way to make this work. I mean, it's a scary thought, but Jesse and I together are over a century, well over a century. <coughs> We don't look like it. Well, I do, but Jesse. All I need is a belly, and I could be Santa Claus this Christmas. Anyway, if you want your neighbor to see what Christ will do for him, let him see what Christ has done for you. We can tell people about Jesus all day long. We can refer to Jesus as their Savior and what they need to do instead of saying, Here's what I had to do with my life. I'm not telling you what to do with yours, but let me tell you what happened with mine. And, and engaging people in conversation is the best way to introduce them to the God that you know. I used to be a hardcore evangelist. It would minister on the streets 
in different places in our country. And there's nothing wrong with it at all. I'm not saying that. But most people will come to Christ because someone loved them first. Not because someone had all the right answers. But someone loved them first and they could see what Christ had done in their life. Let them see what Jesus has done in you. Mean Christians are worse than non-Christians. Because they misrepresent Christ. At least non-Christians have no representation. But a mean Christian confuses people who are lost. Because if that's Christianity, I don't want any part. Top ten list. Not that Baptists are legalists or anything. I'm not saying that. Brother Osteen would, but I'm not. Anyway, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying we have to understand we live in a very intelligent world. Better yet, let me put it this way. We live in a very well-informed world. It's no longer you don't have to go to the library to get a book. You don't have to buy encyclopedias anymore. It's all right here. You can watch anybody you want to watch right here. The best and the worst and everything in between. So now the information age has challenged us to live our faith and not just talk about our faith. Because there are a lot of people talking about faith in different ways, talking about grace in different ways. And, and uh, you know, people really just going to live life the way they want to live and rely on Jesus. Well, let me put it this way. That may be true to a degree, but here's what happens if somebody does that, someone does that. It may not disqualify them from heaven because I'm saved by grace through faith. That's how I'm saved. But if we live our lives the way we want outside of grace, we will suffer the consequences here and now. So you never get by with being stupid. <laughs> None of us do. Stupid brings with it its own consequences. Trust me, I know. I'm experienced stupid. Very experienced. I have a master's degree, maybe a doctorate in stupid. But the reality is, what I've realized is, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. That's called grace. So the very first thing, and I'll probably only get to this one point today, I'm dedicated to thinking purpose. What is your purpose for being on earth in 2020? Why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we here? Why, why, why? Why do I live in Oklahoma City? Why do you live here? Why do you work where you work? No, ask all these questions. We don't ask these questions. And, and this morning I was praying and I, I asked Susan on the way here. I said, you know, <clears throat> why do we do what we do? Now, here's, I, it's kind of a, I'm kind of setting you up a little bit. Now, I can speak for me. I can't speak for anybody else and, and I wouldn't want to try I know why I'm here. I know why I do what I do. Now, and I work where I work. And now, there's nothing wrong. I hope you're happy. I hope you're making a boatload of money. I, I bless, you know, beyond measure. I hope so. But let me ask you the question. Are you happy? When you under that, just for a moment, are you happy? You know, when, when, you, when you crash, 
You ask yourself questions you never asked yourself before. Why, why, why? Not toward God. Ask yourself why. Now, I answer that with, I know why I do this. And there's only one reason. That's because God called me to do this. And as if God could not get my attention, three people let me know this was my call, and they didn't even know each other. And I'm thinking, you got the wrong guy. But God continued to send people into my life until I finally said, okay, I'll do this. And I didn't think I'd do it for a lifetime. I was in a full gospel church. What used to scare me to death was, how in the world do you stand up and somebody speaks in tongues and, and you got to interpret? I scared me to death. Now, some of y'all don't even know what tongues is, and I'm thankful for that, only because it lets me know we're getting people from everywhere. But, but in my world, I'm thinking, how do you do this, Jesse? How do you do this? Scare me to death. But I know why I'm here, and, and, and I'll do this as long as I live in some capacity. And, and I want to, so I'm very happy with it. I know why I do this, and I love doing it. Now, every now and then, it's, it's tough, and every now and then, I don't like it. And every now and then, like you, I just want to run. And I just want to hide. And, you know, I had too many stinking kids to do that. They'd find me. Maybe. At least three of them would hunt for me. Anyway, so you, you have to have a purpose. This is the true joy of life. The being used up for a purpose. Being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clot of ailments and grievances. Complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. It's not the world's responsibility to make you happy or me happy. It's my responsibility. You know how big a fight that is when you're dealing with different attitudes and different personalities and different opinions and outspoken people? What the Holy Spirit's been teaching me is not every question requires an answer. Because I'm real big on responding. But what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life is saying, Mark, your purpose is not to be me. Your purpose is to reveal me to others. In other words, I don't have all the answers. But I can promise you that I can reveal Christ to others through a loving kind response or silence sometimes the best answer to a question is silence forcing the person asking the question to pursue God for the answer not you I grew up cut my teeth in the charismatic movement And as beautiful as the movement was, the danger of it was that most people lived their lives by prophecy, not by the Spirit. Prophecy is a confirmation, not a directional word. It's a confirmational word. And so for me, I had prophetic words given, but I didn't move based on those words. I moved by the Holy Spirit. And so in the charismatic movement, people ran around to prophetic conferences looking for a word from a man. 
instead of a word from the Spirit. Now, God does use people, not minimizing that, but you have to be very cautious that you don't chase a prophetic word that came through an imperfect human being. So, purpose is critical to staying on course. What is my purpose? And I told Jesse, I said, Jesse, my one obligation to God, primary obligation outside of love, is obedience. That's it. What can I do for God? Obey. Most of the time we put a title where you can empty trash, you can be an usher. What can I do for God? Obey Him. Last week I put numbers up and, and, and you guys responded perfectly to those numbers of, of needs that we had. And uh, My prayer would be that I didn't try to persuade you to do those things but inform you of what we needed and that you were persuaded by the Spirit of God. Churches don't run well without people, without circles, without people who gather and, and determine we're going to do something for God. Serving others is not a transaction, it's a connection. It's not like something you do to get something. It's something you do to connect to someone so you can do something, not get something. We connect with people that we care about. We connect with people who share our passion. We connect with people because we have something they need and we connect with people because we have something we need. Connection is critical. Doing life alone outside of, of, of others and fellowship and provocation by others and iron sharpening iron, we will always be less than what we could be. One person described hell as this. Meets who you could have become and should have been. That would be hell. To wake up one day and go, this is how I lived my life, and this is how I should have lived my life. This is what I did. This is what I should have done. And so every day is, God, what is my purpose for this day? What do you want me to do? Most prayers are, God, here's what I want you to do. God, I need, I need you to take care of my mortgage. I need you to put braces in my kid, on my kids' teeth. I need a car. I need a house. I want to upgrade. Please don't get me wrong. You have not because you asked not, but you asked the wrong motives. But here's the reality. What if we got up every day and said, God, what do you need? You say, well, God doesn't need anything. Yes, he does. He needs us. That's how come he said, I'm sending you into all the world to preach the gospel. I need your voice. I need your obedience. I need your willingness. I need your wisdom. I need your confidence. I need, God said, I need you. So when's the last time we get up and say, God, what do you need from me? Because that's where your purpose is going to be found in asking him, what do you want me to do? Serving is about making Christ known. Period. Serving is about making Christ known. Serving is not an event. It's a lifestyle. 
In other words, I could say, well, you know, we need you to serve for a Sunday morning. That'd be great. And I, I want you to serve. I want everybody in here to serve. I want everybody to be a part of the My job is to simply throw information out there and immediately it lands on the right people in the right way, in the right place. To understand life is meaningless without serving. If somebody said, I'm just not happy, I love Jesus, I go to church every Sunday, I, I worship God, but I'm just not happy. My question will be, what are you doing to make him known? Tell them I'll call them later. Anyway, uh, what am I doing to make him known? And I know that some of you have heard these sermons from other churches and you've heard them from me. But the reality is that the people standing out on Northwest Expressway today with signs may seem like an embarrassment to some people. Well, I would never do that. That just seems embarrassing to me. And yet, one of those signs may be the very reason somebody comes to Jesus. They're making him known. We're all a part of this. I'm not the one. We're the people. I'm just the mouthpiece. Matter of fact, there are a lot of Sundays... I'd rather be out there holding a sign than standing up here looking at you. Because I'm the only one in the circle that's looking at all y'all. Y'all looking at me. I got to look at all of y'all. When people are serving, life is no longer meaningless. This is a day and age when there will probably in most churches be more people watching through there. We've, we have a responsibility to reach them, to serve them, to love them, to make, to make them known, to make Christ known to them. Jesus sat down and called the 12 apostles to him. He said, whoever wants to be the most important must be the last of all and the servant of all. It's one thing to see dirty feet. It's another thing to wash those feet. It's one thing to see a leper. It's another thing to touch the leper. It's one thing to hurt for the demon possessed and the oppressed. It's another thing to cast the devil out. It's one thing to love a tax gatherer. It's another thing to go to his house and eat while everybody's watching, especially the Pharisees. It's one thing to see hungry people. It's another thing to take responsibility and feed them. It's one thing to see somebody get out of their car with little children and stroller and single mom. It's another thing to walk up to that lady and say, let me help you. You've heard me say it a million times. When people come into a church... They want to be recognized. They want to be touched. They want to be greeted. They want to be welcomed. To me, my sermons are such a small part of the big picture of what the church really is that most of you would not realize how insignificant, if you will, or how just as equally significant what I do and what you do really is. This doesn't work without us. 
It can work without me, but it cannot work without us. My goal, just so you'll know, every Sunday morning that people are greeted five times before they ever sit in the chair that you're sitting in. Five times. That five people say, we're so glad to have you. Welcome to Mosaic. What are your kids' names? We're so thrilled you're here. Can I sit with you? You need anything from me? Because I'm going to tell you something. Without that and without you, there's a very little chance they're ever going to hear one thing I say. You open their hearts to the message of the gospel. You make this a safe place. This church doesn't exist without you. And you need to realize that, that we need to move from rows to circles. And when I say circles, it's not just small groups. It's saying I'm willing to be a part of the circle that greets people. I'm willing to be a part of the circle that holds a sign. I'm willing to be a part of the circle that works with kids. I'm, being a, I'm willing to be a part of the circle that, that helps Dr. Brown. He's the only guy I know that gets excited about emptying the trash. He missed last Sunday, and we were all over him like there's nobody to replace you. There wasn't a line of people going, I'm glad he's not here. I want to empty the trash. No. There's a line of people that, well, I guess it's over. I get it. 1035, stop preaching. All right. Jeez, guys. Hey. I love you guys. I'm just having fun, right? Don't walk out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> okay, you got to be a, a circle of the tech guys. That's why they did that. I didn't mention them. Stuart, we're going to get people in your circle, all right? Thank you. It just takes all of us. And, and let me just say this to you. Always remember you're going to make mistakes. We're all going to fail. We're all going to do things that we go, wow. But when you're a part of a circle of people that go, I'm sure glad it was you this time. Last week it was me. And that we all realize we're just human trying to do the best we can. And that we can all do something. And I want to challenge every one of us to say 2020 is going to be different. I've been in rows here for nearly four years. I want to be in a circle. Let's pray. Lord, there is no judgment in rows. There's no judgment. For those who do nothing, it's not about that. God, I just pray that today people would find purpose, their reason for being, their reason for existence, their reason for being on this earth, for being at Mosaic, for being at the job they're at. God, may we make Christ known. Through how we live, how we love, how we forgive, how we respond. May we make Christ known. Would be my prayer today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray a prayer that would give you the opportunity to receive Christ today. Those of you watching online, those in here. That today you would make a decision to follow him if you've not done that. 
if you have wandered away from him, that you'd make a decision today to walk back to him. So let's all pray this, if you would. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I surrender. I submit. I repent. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my friend. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405. Text the word SAVED. And that lets us know what happened in your life today. And it encourages you to continue to make that known and to make him known to those around you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.